Welcome to this week from the Principal's Desk, a podcast about Lutheran schools and their leadership by two Lutheran school principals. My name is Rob Lunak, and I'm the principal at Mount Calvary Lutheran School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my co-host is Mike Scheman. My name is Mike Scheman, and I'm principal at Bethany Lutheran School in Parma, Ohio. And today for our podcast topic, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, some school governance topics, because as an administrator, it's important to know how schools work and maybe to hear a little bit about other models that are out there that you can take a look at or consider, um, but to start to really define and understand what is the role of the governing body of the school. And in some cases, that could simply be um, a, a head of school or uh, a group of people that maybe have formed as a school board, maybe some congregational members. In other cases, it's maybe a, a defined school board with various roles. But today we hope to kind of unpack a little bit about that and, and share our experiences in working uh, in, in light of school governance. Yeah, there are probably two main structures people would be familiar with. One is the school board. And then one is a policy-based governance model, which usually has a policy manual, and then authority is delegated to the principal to work within that framework, but they don't really get final say over school operations unless there's already an ex existing policy about it. And then in some large associations, you might have a head of schools that oversees all of that, and there'll be usually a board above that person. But that is usually a little more far, a little further removed from the day-to-day -day operations than maybe a traditional school board like some people are used to. Now, out of those three today, we're going to focus most of our discussion on the traditional school board model. Absolutely. And so one of the questions that I think even needs to be addressed before talking about the model is how do you find people to serve on your board? I think that's a big question because uh, typically in Lutheran schools, you were either a one-to-one, -one, there's a congregation that directly supports the school, or there's an association of churches that support a school. Um, but in general, the people that you're looking for for your school board are people that simply have a love for Lutheran education and a desire to share the gospel with kids. From time to time, you're going to find people that they say they want to serve on the school board. And when they're asked why, it's because well, they don't like this, or they want to see this change. And all of a sudden, you can start to clearly hear an agenda. But my success has been found that when you're seeking school board members to first off, understand what it is that they're going to be doing to communicate that ahead of time. But I'm also accustomed to having people apply to be members of the school board to answer various questions that talk about um, their experience, the perspective from which they're approaching this. Um, but then in, in the schools where I've served, there's been a, a vote of some sort, that there's been a, an election to the school board with clearly defined terms from, from our policy documents and how that all works. But at the bottom line of the whole thing, I'm looking for somebody that loves Jesus and loves sharing his love with kids through school ministry. So those people are gems. And when you find them, feel free to encourage them to apply to be on the school board. Yeah, you should really have a set series of guidelines, probably even a handbook for your school board. Here's what we do. Here's what we don't do. Here are the qualifications for being on the board. For a lot of our Lutheran schools, some of them might be struggling with a question they haven't had to deal with before on the board, and it's, can people who aren't members of the church be on the school board? As our schools become uh, maybe less and less just single church Lutheran, just from one supporting congregation, you're going to get people who really want to be involved. And what 
what do you guys think about that? You know, you need to decide as a community, what does your handbook say? What is your vision going to be? If you're going to remain a distinctly Lutheran school, how does that change that makeup if people on your school board all of a sudden are not Lutheran and maybe don't have that that background or that perspective? There are schools that let those people on the board and they just say, hey, we just want people who support this school in particular and these are the guidelines we have for that. There are schools that say, no, one of the qualifications is you have to be a member in good standing. You have to have a kid in the school, you know, the, a list of qualifications for that. Don't be afraid, I would say, to also have people on that board and seek people out who have an opinion different than yours that you still value and still want to work with. Not everybody on the school board should agree with you because you already agree with you. You don't need five other people to say, oh yeah, we agree too. You can do that on your own. At the end of the day, the school board is going to be your boss in a sense, right? They're going to be in charge and they're going to be setting direction, but they're going to want input from you. And at, at the crux of it, you will be the one with the, the, you know, your boots on the ground in a sense in the school, knowing what's going on and being able to go to the board and saying, Hey, these are the things we need to be aware of, or these are the things I want to talk about today. And they will have, hopefully, at least hopefully, a series of things laid out. Hey, every month we talk about these things. This month in particular, we talk about this stuff. There should be a structure there. That way you're not just putting out fires. Because if your board is just putting out fires and just responding to, hey, this thing came up this week, they're not going to be able to operate effectively long term. And that's really the biggest benefit of having a school board is they can look and they can vision long term and set your school up for success, not just for today, but for next year and five years down the line. I would even argue that's the most important part of a school board. I think there is a tension that exists between the information that principals give the board for letting the board make future decisions for the school versus the tendency for some boards to end up being micromanagement. They have really uh, called you or hired you as the administrator to run the day-to-day -day operations of the school. And while a lot of that information is helpful for them to have because it certainly gives a picture of the school, really the purpose of the board is to do that visioning, is to take a look at your strategic plan to see how they can continue to make the school financially sustainable, how they can ensure that uh, more kids are coming and that the school has, uh, has really a sustainability that transcends, it, it exceeds the people that are currently serving in the school. So typically what I do, I do end up giving that report of, hey, here's some highlights, you know, here's your sports report, here's your um, what the PTA did this week, here's, you know, Christmas programs coming up, whatever, those kinds of things. Um, but I tend to send that out ahead of time to say, hey, read this stuff. It's helpful as we look this month to start discussing this aspect of our plan or our growth or these policy things or whatever that might be. So it is important to inform them, but then it's also important to enable them to let you do your job. And so sometimes you may need to say to a, a board in the middle of a meeting, you know what, I've actually got that covered. I've got a plan for that. Um, and maybe we can talk more about that later to focus the meeting on the things that are important. So one of the things we do, we have our series of uh, board meetings laid out with agendas already for the entire year in Google Docs. And every board member has access to that. And we can go in and add specific topics that we want to address ahead of time. People can prepare themselves for that meeting by looking at the Google Doc. And then we know that this is these are the things we're talking about. So I actually have a board meeting coming up in under a week here. And while I'm, we're recording this in the beginning of November, 
We have next year's school calendar up. Uh, we have the budget for 2023-24 on there. We have um, some job descriptions for positions that we want to grow and add. So we're really looking at big picture items. I'm not going to drown the board in the minutia of some details that they expect me to be dealing with anyway. Yeah, and one of the one of the benefits of having things laid out like that is you can use what's called a consent agenda. And you can basically say, hey, here are the things that we'll be talking about. And these are the only things we're talking about in this meeting. So people can't come in and be like, well, I was really upset about this today. That would, that'd be a time for a different meeting, right? And Or that might be something that should go directly to the principal and maybe not to the board. Having that consent agenda makes sure everybody's on the same page and it makes sure that things don't get derailed because we've all been in those meetings where you know, the meeting's running really smoothly. And then one person says, well, I have a question and it's not related at all. And it's just something that they wanted to kind of air to the room to get everybody's feedback on, or maybe just to let everybody know about. And maybe it's something not everybody needed to know about. And having that consent agenda keeps the board focused because we, a board is just a group of people. And if you've ever been around eight people and no one's in charge and no one knows what's going on, it can get a little hectic and boards are no different. The other thing to keep in mind with your board is that your board, those members are just school board members in that meeting. After school, when they're not in that meeting, they are not board members, they are parents, they are church members, they are community members. They they are not acting in board capacity outside of those board meetings. And you want to be really clear with them about that expectation and you should have that in a board handbook if you have one that hey after school if a parent wants to talk to you about this decision the board made it's probably not the right place to do that right and you can say well the minutes speak for the board or you know why don't you come to our next board meeting it's this time and then the board can talk to that you're not really as a board member spokesperson for the board everywhere you go and that i know for some people that kind of rubs them the wrong way because they go oh well i i know johnny i'm gonna go talk to him about this decision the school board made because he'll tell me the the real reason and that's not johnny's place right? That's not his place. They, you are not board spokesperson just because you're on the board. And the same goes for the principal. You are not the board spokesperson either in a lot of those cases. If they say, hey, can you tell me a little bit about the decision the board made? There's certain things you can say, and there's certain things you probably shouldn't say. And you can leave a lot of it to, hey, here's what the decision was. And I'm not going to get into who had this side and who had this side and who made this decision because the board acts collectively. It's not, you're not going to pick apart, well, this person voted this way and these two people voted this way and this person was really upset. That's not going to be helpful for any decisions the board makes. So that applies to people on the board and you as a principal as well. I think it also speaks to the onboarding process for getting board members uh, in. Once somebody has been elected to the board or how, whatever your process is for getting new people, it's important to go through a training session with them. And I know LCMS School Ministry has a number of resources available for working to train boards. Um, but I think it's it's good that when you get new members and you go through that board training, it's helpful to have the board go through it together. So if depending on if you have terms or how many years somebody served on the board, they may have gone through that board training four, five, six, seven times, whatever that is. But that's a really good refresher for them at that point, just to remind them of what their their role is, because you will have parents that or, or teachers or whomever that want to go and talk to the board. Um, but again, it's as, as Rob said, those things that they're only board members inside board meetings. The other thing, too, that's important is that sometimes and I've experienced this probably just a handful of times in my career where 
uh, people have gone above me. There's been an issue that they have not brought to my attention and they try to take it directly to the board. So training the board to say, have you had a chance to speak to the principal about this? Have you had a chance to talk to the individual or, or the group making this decision is a, is a good first step. So that communication line is also really important because, I mean, that's Matthew 18. So of course it's scriptural. Um, but I do find that when it's good for the board to have a, a sense of what's going on so that if those things come up, nothing's really surprising the board. I never like to surprise the board with anything during a meeting that that might catch them off guard. Just like as a teacher, you don't want to put a comment on a report card that you haven't already talked to a parent about um, that might be a surprise. I don't like to surprise the board. So in some cases, um, I, I will send out an email to the board and just say, hey, this is the situation I'm dealing with. I want to assure you that I've got this under control. If you have any questions, let me know. Very seldom will I get response with, with questions. Um, so there, it is important to have parents, to have your school community have access to your board, but it's important to train your board to make sure that that access doesn't create um, a rift or uh, really have the a role confusion from the board members, if that makes sense. Yeah, your board meetings should be open to parents of the school. They should be open to teachers. Some schools even require teachers to go to a board meeting. There's a rotating schedule and say, hey, February is your month, March is your month. You just go through and they get to see how the board operates because the thing to remember is the you and the board are not adversaries. You're partners and you work together and the board works together with the teachers and the board works together with the school families and everyone's got that same goal in mind. They want the school to do well to further the mission of the church. That's why we do it. And having it open, transparent, allowing people to go to those cuts down on some of those people seeking out other other ways to talk to the board because that's what they're doing. If somebody wants to go talk to their friend who's on the board about something, that means that there's a vacuum of communication that they are filling because they have a question. And so being upfront about Here's the board business, you know, sending maybe board minutes out to your parents after those minutes get approved and say, hey, here's what we talked about in the board meeting. Here's the next one. We'd love for you guys to join us. I've seen schools even have like a potluck right before the board meeting for everybody. And then they say, hey, okay, potluck's at six, at seven o'clock, we're going to start the board meeting. Anybody who wants to stay and watch the board meeting, you totally can. Now, not all board meetings are going to be open to the public. There will be times when you'll have to go into executive session and say these things are are private and we can't have people in on that. Maybe it's a disciplinary issue with staff. Maybe you're discussing pay. Maybe it's student discipline. So there will be times when it still won't be open to the public, but those are not the norm. The norm is that it's transparent and that it's open and that it's a process that everyone really should be um, in the knowing about how it works. For sure. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about um, the content of a board meeting, talking about looking at the bigger bigger picture. And so one thing I would encourage everybody to look at is what are some of your bigger guiding documents that are going to inform your board on how they act? So sometimes if a board is wrestling with the decision, it's easy to say, well, what does our strategic plan say about these things? What does our policy manual say about these things? Um, who is in charge of that? What do our job descriptions say about these things? And so to be able to effectively direct and encourage your board to be effective, uh, it's important to have some of those other things looked up as well and kind of with all, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. And sometimes in doing that, you'll realize that they're not, that there is a little bit of ambiguity or there's other things that exist where it's just, we don't have clarity here. And as you find those things, I encourage people to then, then address them, uh, really figure out why is there ambiguity and what do we need to do 
to make that happen. Um, the strategic plan is also a fun one where it can easily be become or be viewed as a checklist. And so then there's pats on the back, we accomplished it. But I would encourage uh, administrators to take that document to the board as their kind of guiding setup for meetings. We're, we're continuing to look at this. And the question becomes, as we accomplish these things, what do we add to the plan? So your plan is a living document that really informs your school board meetings. So reviewing that plan is important. Using that as a framework is important. And making sure everybody uh, on your board knows it and had input is, is important as well. Yeah, I've always kind of viewed that that strategic plan is like a GPS. You're going somewhere you've never been before and you need this set of directions to get there because if you don't need a set of directions, you'll only ever go to the places you've already been and already know how to get to. And that's not what you're trying to do with the strategic plan. You're trying to take your school to to new things, to more innovative things, to to things that are going to further the kingdom, and that's not always going to be the things you've always done. The world will continue to change around us. I, I think if anybody is going to tell me the world hasn't changed in the past three years, I don't think they're paying attention. Things are different. And so we should have plans that are always forward looking to continue to work through those things. Now, one of the, the resources that I know Mike and I have used, Mike has way more experience with the school board than I have. I've only ever experienced a board from a teacher side of it. I've never worked under a board as a principal. I've had policy-based governance in my time as principal. Uh, but Henry Content has a great book. Mike, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, we were put onto a book uh, recently called Guiding Schools to Flourish. And what I really like about this book, I actually am giving a copy of this to every board member at our next board meeting. There's a whole bunch of articles in this book that talk about things like the role of the board or board training, um, how the board works with a leadership team, finances, the boards and the parents. Um, there's so many different topics here. And there are articles in this book that you could assign your board members to read ahead of the meeting. And then you could have some discussion around that too. I love that the book is designed so that no article is longer than four pages because we know that you know time is precious and we wanna make sure that people can do this. But to say, we're gonna be focusing on this article or this series of articles over the next little while, give that to your board to read. It's a, it's a great way as we give our staff professional development in their areas where we want them to grow and learn, this is a phenomenal tool for boards to do as well. So great articles in here written by people who have uh, a lot of experience in school governance and work with school boards. And I think that's a that's a really important piece to, to emphasize again is that your school board will continue to have new people on it who don't have that training. Right? You'll continue to in to include new people in your school community. That's just how schools work, right? You get a, a new set of kids every year. You get a new set of parents every year. That's how it goes because, you know, kids are only school age for so long, which means their parents are only involved in your school for so long. And so you'll have turnover on the school board, and that's not a bad thing. That's an, the natural thing. And being able to train everybody up and continue the direction of the school and of the board is really helpful because if a board is run based on the skills of just the people in the room, what do you do when those people are gone? You want to get it set up so, you know, when those people leave, everything can continue smoothly and everything can continue going in that strategic direction that you've set. And it's not run off the will of the individuals. It's run off that plan through God's grace working through your school. That's right. And one of the things that I would challenge people here as well, this, this is a fun one, is that sometimes board meetings can be dry. They can be... Um, they can seem mundane depending on 
on kind of what you're faced with or what you're going through, I'd encourage you to keep excitement in your board meeting. How do you bring joy into your board meeting and with the people that you're serving alongside? And one of the things that uh, we recently did at the board where I'm, I'm serving the school I'm serving now is I started highlighting two staff members every single board meeting and saying, these people in the last month, we do monthly board meetings, have gone above and beyond. And I'm so excited for them. And I had a school board member say, then let's take that to the next level. Let's make this our fun thing that we can then recognize those staff members. And so they uh, they bring a couple of cards to every school board meeting. They wait for me now to highlight these two staff members. The board writes them a card, signs it right there, and they add it into the budget. They tuck in a gift card for those staff members that they recognize that month. And so it's I love the day after the board meeting because I'm hunting down two people and saying, hey, this is from the school board. And that's really worked to build some bridges. And it's something that the school board where I serve, they look forward to that part of the meeting now. So and I encourage you to find ways to bring joy into your board meetings and to use your board to celebrate uh, the workers that God has given to you in your harvest field. That's such a great idea because you are then connecting those two and it, it it moves it away from that sometimes, oh, I don't know what they do over in the conference room mentality into, oh, I know they know me and they support me and they know the work I'm doing. The school board's not just some group of people that meets Monday nights at seven o'clock who never knows about what's going on in the school outside of what their kids tell them. They're connected to the school in a much deeper way. That's a great idea. Uh, well, Mike, we could go on and on and on about school boards probably forever but I think this is probably a good place to stop it. Do you get any parting wisdom? No, just to continue to realize that um, the people who you serve with are gifts from God and, and to view them in that light, to know that uh, they are there for a purpose, for a reason. And uh, we pray that God gives us people to, to help us, to support us um, and to support the ministry where we serve. And this, this is his answer. So uh, be thankful for your school board. That's a great way to leave it. Blessings on your week. We'll see you guys next week.